It's definitely the best of the prequels. You were the chosen one! I don't understand what the Sith are getting revenge for, but hey. No, I get it. I mean, they're they're taking back the the throne of the universe. You know, they're they're ruling at the end of this. This is yeah, but I don't understand. Other than knowing the context of the Star Wars EU, where you have all the Darth Bane stuff, and then you go even further back to fucking Revan and all this other nonsense. (laughs) Um, there's some good stuff, you know in the EU, but it's still, like, I in this context, I don't totally, like, there's never, like, a line in it where like, Yoda goes, hey, maybe we made a mistake, like, committing genocide against the Sith Empire or something. Like, I don't know, I think there's there could have been something where, like, the Sith had maybe been mistreated in the past, and they were using that to justify some of their actions. Yeah, that would have been interesting, like, oh, even the light side had had made mistakes in the past. I think that was something Bioware did when they released that old Republic game. They released like these series of like ten minute like videos that were like the history of the old Republic, which are far more interesting than any of the prequel films. Um, and it's literally like that. And that whole thing is literally just like stills, like still pictures with a narrator. Check that out. It's on YouTube, probably not canon anymore, but whatever. But as for this movie, I think it is interesting. I just don't think the way the story is told is interesting. And I think that's my issue with all the, the Star Wars prequels. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in everything happening, just not the way it's happening. I guess. I could have done without some of it. But oh, hey. no, for sure. Like, it's not, maybe, maybe not everything's interesting, but the, the, the idea of exploring this time period and the ideas that Lucas is clearly drawn to continuously, I think those mm-hmm. are interesting. Maybe not all of them, but there's there's material here for for some good stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of material in all of these movies that could have made something special, and just didn't. Tell, I mean, the fact that there's a very successful cartoon show based on these three movies essentially shows that there's a lot of good ideas in it that are just not. It's really it really does come down to execution. Did rewatching yeah. the series help, like at all, with uh, your perspective on Revenge of the Sith? I mean, there's there's a little bit, because the series, we'll get into it when we talk about the Clone War series, but the series does a really good job at, like, driving home the, like, the strain of the war on, like, all the Jedi, and, like, how basically, like, how quickly it's turning into a forever war, and, which is, you know, I think important commentary considering some of the actions of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's really interesting that there exists a children's cartoon show where our heroes are fighting a war that once you watch the movies, you find out the war is entirely this evil scheme and that nothing was gained by fighting in this war. Um, but other than that, it just, it just made a lot of this a little more frustrating for me, honestly. Like, just because, I mean, it's really Lucas's fault because he kind of fucked, like I, I talked about how he fucked himself by starting Phantom Menace where he was, and then he fucked himself by trying to course correct with Attack of the Clones while also trying to throw in all this story stuff. And then 
you get to three and he has to tell certain story beats or else it's going to feel incomplete. And he just doesn't have the time to do all of it. And like, so that's why like Anakin's fall, which is what these prequels are essentially supposed to be about. It, it just feels so rushed. And that's where the frustration comes in. Like, I feel like Anakin should have fallen at the end of like the middle film. Like, you know, how Luke, Luke kind of is tested in the, at the end of Empire. And he's kind of put in, like, a weird spot. I think Anakin should have been put in the same spot in the previous film. And then this film was about how instead of, you know, finding redemption, he just, you know, falls even further and becomes Darth Vader. That would have been interesting. Yeah. I mean, basically, I mean, the only way I can really enjoy these movies is if I can imagine what the films could have been. And like I said, there's, I think there's some interesting ideas, but not the, I mean, I don't think I'm going to be revisiting these films anytime soon. I already have I too know. many to watch whenever I marathon. Them. I don't know. Um, I'm interested in, in marathoning them. Uh, Cause you know, AMCs do the, uh, the star Wars marathons now and never they do an episode release. So like, I, I kind of want to do that for episode nine. I have no interest in doing it this year for episode eight, but uh, I, I, well, I, I did it. That. I did it for seven just because seven was on the way and I was like kind of super hyped and I was like, Hey, maybe the prequels will kind of be redeemed. <laughs> but I will say like watching them now after seven where seven came out and was, I mean, I'll get into my opinions on it, but was basically a, a solid film. Um, it makes the prequels a little easier to deal with. I think I've said that before, just like knowing that the prequels aren't the last thing that'll be coming out of the Star Wars universe kind of helps them. And that definitely has its pros and cons, as we'll get mm-hmm. into after. Um, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, what did you like about Revenge of the Sith? Um, Emperor Palpatine. I think, I think that's the go-to for everyone. Probably because he's the only guy with a kind of clear, mo- like, I wouldn't say motivation, but he has very clear goals, which is to be the most evil person ever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't totally understand what's driving him, but we know what he wants. And that makes it very compelling to watch him just basically be a like cackling villain the whole time. I am the Senate. I am the Senate. That's oh, so good. Uh, uh, oh, it's so good. Just, you know, screaming unlimited power might be one of the best things ever. <laughs> and and look like let like he just out of nowhere, because this is a guy, because the actor's been really, like, solid, but he was always in the background of the last two movies. As the proverbial phantom menace, I guess. Uh, but this time he really gets to shine, and he just fucking nails it. So he's, he's really engaging to watch. I like, I, I actually kind of like Ewan McGregor's final speech to Anakin, even though it's, like, way over the top. And it comes after probably the worst lightsaber battle in the entire series. But I like that where he's like, you were my brother, Anakin. Just because Ewan McGregor is also a very solid actor. Um, I like it when Samuel L. Jackson died. Just because he dies in everything. This wasn't like, I really can't really... Ch- I hate that Chewbacca's in this movie. <laughs> and I remember even as a kid, I was so disappointed because I remember like this was the hype and I like I was young and naive enough to think that this was definitely going to be the last Star Wars movie. Like I, I didn't really understand that it's a product and that even if George Lucas hadn't sold it, there were going to there was going to be an episode seven or another Star Wars film eventually. 
so I felt like this was like this was going to be it, and then Star Wars was going to be over. Um, and I they hype the shit out of the fact that we finally get to see the Wookies in battle. And this movie, which is one of those things that was always like rumored, in like the like EU, I guess there there was probably some Wookie battle in the EU that I just can't think of. Um, I know there was a video game where I played as the Wookies, but. But they hype the shit out of it, and literally, like, all the action the Wookiees do were in all the trailers. <laughs> Which is about, like, 30 seconds, maybe. Like, you see everything in the trailers from, from that. Yeah, that, that was what pissed me. I remember that. I remember being really, like, even as a kid, being really disappointed by that. And I remember, like, and do you remember, like, how big a deal was when this was the first PG-13 Star Wars movie? Yeah, everyone was like, whoa. It's like, everyone was like, holy shit. <laughs> Like, he's actually going to do it. He's actually going to do the thing he said he was going to do. Um, and there were all these rumors. I remember reading all sorts of shit about, like, this was, like, the first one I kind of really paid attention to. Like, there was all that talk about how there was going to be a young Han Solo in the movie um, who was going to be living with the Wookiees. Do you, do you remember that? I, no, I don't think I'm familiar with that, actually. That was something that was at least planned at one point, and it was, it made it far enough that I think they were still planning on doing it early, like really late in the pre-production, and then someone said, don't do that. <laughs> like, George, you've pissed off everyone. And I, I honestly, I don't even think it's George being told to not do it because it would piss people off. I think George just realized he didn't have enough room in his story. Like, the only, the only lesson Lucas really seemed to take was that he needed to focus his story more. Um, because he, he, there's all this, I was reading behind the scenes stuff on it, there's all this stuff about how he really worked hard to make sure that Anakin was the focus of this movie. Which is true, I mean, it really does, you have Obi-Wan going off to do things, but he is very much the side character in this. And Anakin takes over better than he did in Attack of the Clones, where he feels like he's out of place. And this time it's very much his story. And if Lucas was intending to make all three of these films his story, he should have worked harder at that from the beginning, but he didn't. I, I uh, definitely agree with that. I know that, like, Spielberg... Spielberg shot something in this movie. He shot, I don't like, know what. half of it. Did he, did I, he really shoot half of it? I, it's, like, one of the worst-kept secrets in Hollywood, I think, where... Um, I know he, he did he, something. He storyboard, like, a lot of the movie. Well, the, the weird thing is, because... You know, we've talked about Lucas's ideas about how movies should be made. And how, like, it's really just, like, this sterile green screen environment that he likes working in. So you don't really get any of those Spielberg feelings. Like, like I couldn't tell what scenes he would have worked on. Because so much of it is done in the computer. Spielberg could have directed a lot of this over the phone. He could have just said, do this, not this, change that, do this. And it, that would have counted as directing. Um, but I don't know, I, like, I just don't know what scenes he specifically did, because I don't feel it. I could feel um, it in the action. That the action feels a lot more lively this time. And a lot of that is in a computer, you're right. But it, it feels more, more live than any of the other stuff in the prequels. I guess there's a certain, like, swooping that's going on with the action. That you don't get, I mean, you, like, I think about the droid construction scene in Attack of the Clones, where it's very much like the camera itself is on another conveyor belt. Mm -hmm. 
And it's just really boring to watch. And then you think of like the grievous, like Obi Wan chase scene, and there's like the camera's like moving a lot in that, and it gives it kind of this more of this energy that you don't totally see. But even then, I don't know. Like that could have just been Spielberg could have just given that advice because Lucas basically just tells his animators what to do for the action scenes. Well, and you're right, but like even in the opening where you're just thrusting in like this huge space battle that we talked about in Return of the Jedi with the, or um, Empire with the, the X and Y axis stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like you don't see a lot of uh, ship battles in the series because there's really nowhere like other reference points for space battles. Besides yeah, battles. yeah. Um, where they're just going all over the place because space is like, you know, it's this giant nebulous thing. There's, you don't have to go at, at straight lines and charge at each other. And so in the opening of this movie, too, it's like they're just swooping in around ships, circling and twirling. And it's just like, oh, cool. Like, I, I like that stuff. Yeah, you know what? The opening does feel very Star Wars, like for the first time in the prequels. Um, and it, it, there's an there's a entertaining element to it, but it's just one of those things where it's like, I'm more confused <laughs> I don't know how I'm supposed to feel emotionally, you know? Like, I don't know where anyone, like, at the, basically, like, Anakin is detestable in Attack of the Clones. Like, you don't like him. Mm-hmm. And then you get to here, and now he's back to being kind of like, oh, hey, whoa, I'm Anakin. I can fly. And I'm going to help out those clone troopers, but then Obi-Wan says no. It's just a little, I don't know, it's, it's all over the place. That's why, like, I can't really pick up, like, the, like I said, whenever the action starts, I just tune out. Because I'm not, I don't care. Because all of it ends, like, in the exact same place. <laughs> you go from two actors, or maybe an actor and a CGI character staring at each other. And then they jump around a little bit, and then they go back to staring at each other in a different place, and then the fight ends. That's, that's like, every action scene in these movies. I never, I never clocked that, but that's... It, it bugs me. I mean, literally, it's it's like they're just... This, like, bookended. And, like, the middle just doesn't matter. There's no, like, tension. There's no, like, hey, if Grievous gets to this place, he'll be able to do this. Or it's just like, hey, I have to kill Grievous. All right, let's make it a five-minute scene, I guess. It's like that whole thing about the ending lightsaber battle this movie, which is, like, how long is that battle? It's, like, 15 minutes. Yeah, it's so long, and it just, it could have been, like, two minutes. You don't need, like, there's, at at most, it's engaging when they're indoors. But then once they get out onto the thing, and it, like, they start sailing down the river of lava, it completely loses me. Uh, I, I I mean, we're just going to hop all over this movie, because this movie kind of hops all over the place anyways. Um. Um. But I, I want to reiterate, if I hadn't made it clear before, I am actually kind of a fan of this movie, but I could never say I think it's very good. I think mm. it, it succeeds in making me feel like I'm enjoying what I'm watching, but frustrating because I know it could be so much better. And the end fight is, is like the equivalent, like the pinnacle of that, you know, mm-hmm. because uh, I think it starts off really strong where it's this emotional confrontation between Padme and Anakin which was supposed to play out differently initially with her like attempting to kill him, but being unable to do it because she loves him so much. I don't know why that was changed because that would have been kind of neat. Um, 
But as for the fight, yeah. itself, it, it does. It goes on way too long. But when it starts and how it ends, I actually think that's that's the one I really like. There's there's legitimate like emotion behind it, and when the the lava's going off in the background before they go onto the the river of lava, mm-hmm. um, like there's that one scene where him and Obi Wan Nanakin are like struggling with each other. The lightsabers aren't even hitting each other. They're literally physically pushing against each other, and the lava shoots up in the background. Like that's that's a great shot, and that's a great little moment. Yeah, but think of how much better it would be if like. The fight is just happening in this facility, and like they've hit some sort of like some at some point someone hits a button that destroys like the shielding on the building, right? Which is kind of what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I like that stuff a and, lot. But like, imagine if the lava stuff is like this creeping element, like the building is slowly falling apart, but they stay in the building. And this, like, the lava, like, they're constantly getting closer to it. Or, like, one time someone almost falls in. It's more of a threat than, like, a thing. Once they're, like, flowing down the river, it gets ridiculous. And there's no tension to it. Because you know it's not going to end there. Um, But if it's this constant thing, and if you know Star Wars, everyone who kind of knows Star Wars lore knew that that Darth Vader's backstory is that he was burned in a volcano. I think that was out there before even um, episode three had been released. So if you knew that, that would add like a whole other level of tension to that fight. Because you just you're just waiting for uh-huh. it to happen. But it would have just been better. Just keep it in that building. Make the lava like slowly rise or the, as the building sinks into it. You could get all those shots that work that are like way like operatic and melodramatic, but fuck that Star Wars. <laughs> but no... It's like, that's just, it's the whole, it's the whole movie overcompensating for the fact that it can't deliver on most of its ideas. I don't think it fully delivers on one thing the prequels intended to do. I think some get closer to their goal than others, but I don't think anything feels like satisfying. Totally. Uh, Yeah, no, not, definitely not for me, but this is the one that comes closest to me being fully satisfied. And when I first Mm. saw it, I loved it. Like I was... I was head over heels, little little kid Diego, just like whoa. And I even got like emotional when all the Jedi were dying. I have no connection to them, but something about that scene like clicked with me. And even now, it still kind of hits me. But then I'm like, oh yeah, I I only care now because of the Clone Wars series. Now that I've seen it, and <laughs> it's like I I like those characters, just not in the movie because there's nothing to any of them really. Well, as a kid, like, I had that... It, that was a pretty intense scene when everyone's dying. Yeah, because, you I mean, even um, though they're not, like, fleshed-out characters, like, they're the characters in the prequel it's still, it's, it's still people dying in pretty horrific, like, you know, unheroic ways. Yeah, um, and they're, you know, after being built up so much, like, Jedi are some of the cinematic heroes, and then mm-hmm. they get taken out, like, fucking Godfather. Yeah. and But the problem with it, for me is that it's just... How do I say this? For one, we've been shown that the Jedi can do so much shit, it's a little weird when they get shot that they can ever get shot in the back. Like, the, like the, the, not just the prequels, but, like, the, the expanded universe really drove up the fact that Jedi are basically superheroes. Like, I get that they're tricked, but we've seen them get out of worse situations, honestly. Even with the the original Clone Wars cartoon, a lot of them got out of shit that was a lot tougher than what we saw. 
Um, so that was always created like this weird disconnect for me. And also going into the movie, like I knew it was one of those things that was going to happen. Like I maybe feel like a real little kid, you wouldn't know, but I knew it, it was something that was going to have to happen eventually. So it, it just felt a little more like weird. Like it was just kind of like, you know, I knew it was going to happen. So when it happens, I'm like, all right, they, they did it. I was, that was more my reaction than, wow, the, tr- the tragedy of all this. I don't know. I, I guess, yeah. I mean, uh, I even the stuff I like, I do wish it hit harder. But I really want to make it clear that I I do like the stuff I like a lot. Mm-hmm. And because <laughs> the stuff I don't like in this movie, mostly the the filmmaking, um, it's not not great. I'm just thinking of like another way, like this whole thing could have played out. Like, let's say, like at the end of episode two, like Anakin falls at the end of episode two. And goes to the dark side there. And then we start this movie off with him killing another Jedi. And it's implied that he's been like slowly hunting down different Jedi. In the last movie, you wouldn't have to... That might have had a better impact. It was. Just, I, I'm just saying, like... Because, you know, the original films say... You know, he helped the Emperor hunt down the Jedi Knights. But all he does is go to the temple. And that's where he kills children. And it also seems weird to me that the stormtroopers could walk into a Jedi temple and win, but I get that the, the Jedi temple is probably full of the non-trained Jedi, but there, you would think there would at least be one, ah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's definitely a, a thing with me. It's like, you know, that's why I was into Rebels. Like, it just makes sense that some would slip through the cracks because, you know, it's an yeah. overwhelming threat, but it's not like... It's not crunching numbers, guys. It's, it's people. Mm-hmm. It's not that easy to track them all down. But if Anakin was, like, killing them one by one, I think that might have been a little more interesting. Um, especially if you made the Jedi Knights, like, a lot fewer in number than, like, the hundreds I think there are. Although, I think the EU clarifies that there really aren't that many Jedi running around. Um, but it feels like there's a couple hundred Jedi out there. Honestly, it feels like there's thousands to me. Like, there's countless. Um, I, I always get the impression that there were countless. But I think I'm literally basing this off of the marketing for episode two. Okay. Which one of the trailers literally said hundreds of Jedi versus thousands of droids versus millions of clone troopers. <laughs> and I, I remember that from when I was a kid. I think that was a toy commercial, though. Okay. But. But yeah, it's not, not clear ever. But, they never make it. But the EU makes a point of how special. I think there aren't that many Jedi out there. That's why they're so like content on like okay. kidnapping children. Um, I mean, they don't <laughs> kidnap children, but you know they recruit at a very young age because there there aren't tons of Jedi out there. But that's but again, that's all EU stuff. It's not in the movie. Yeah, which would have um, been interesting to explore in the prequel trilogy, like just how far the Jedi like. Like, what is their position in the galaxy? They're peacekeepers. They're kind of like sheriffs, but at the same time, they're peaceful. But, but they're, they're also generals. Yeah, it's very give and, and take. And the Jedi seem to be an actual government body. Uh, yeah, like, what, like what is, is the meaning this, behind that, you know? like what is there a separation of church and state in the galaxy? Yeah. Are there other churches that feel like they're not, they're being ignored? Like, the Jedi get all the breaks? <laughs> Um, is this a theocratic republic? Um, 
it just it makes more sense when you go to the original drafts of Star Wars and the Jedi Knights were like they guarded the Emperor. Who in the original drafts of Star Wars there was like a good emperor at one point. Um, you know, like the the wise emperor who was betrayed by another emperor. And that emperor killed all the Jedi Knights. And even in the earlier drafts, the Emperor was never like a... The Emperor was always a puppet in the original drafts, that, which is how Lucas viewed Nixon. And it was actually a military government that all the generals really controlled everything. Which you kind of get that vibe in the first movie, but that certainly changes as things go on. Mm. I would be interested in another movie exploring that, that concept. Maybe another sequel trilogy? Um, it'd have to be a little while from now. Oh, yeah, uh, the potential's there. There's always potential, uh, but I just, you know, some balls, some balls were dropped. Uh, a couple, yeah. It, it happens, it happens. Yeah, I mean, it went, in a, it went in a different direction, and arguably I think we got a better movie. I mean, Empire is kind of, you know, the one that kind of changes all that direction, and then you get Return of the Jedi, which I had, I've criticized, but I still love. Yeah. And it's just the prequels probably could have made all that more interesting. And maybe we had a puppet emperor before the evil emperor. Because that's the thing. The, the transition from Republic to Empire is executed. It's so weird. It's executed better in the children's cartoon show <laughs> than the movies. Like, literally, there's just a vote. And it's like, all right, we're an empire now. Like, th- like again, I feel like that would have been something that was better in the in like to end episode two on like episode two like should have been the dark one where you know everything goes wrong at the end and then episode three would have been like an inverse of return of the jedi where instead of you know luke pulling out and like saving the day you have anakin just he goes further and further to the dark side and ends up being like the instrument of destruction and, like, you know, we start this movie off with, like I said, you started off with Anakin hunting down other Jedi, and then you also started down with the Emperor using his clone troopers not to go after the Confederacy, but to crack down on, basically, locals who are like, hey, we don't want to be an Empire. Like, I didn't sign up for this. You know? Mm-hmm. Been a more interesting way to start this movie off. Like I said, like just the Phantom Men has fucked everything up because that's the just exact wrong place to start this movie. Well, it's not like he he, uh, George Lucas didn't have a bunch of people telling him not to use a nine-year-old Anakin. So yeah, they should have been telling him a lot of things. <laughs> it's not like he listened, uh, though. No, he didn't. And even he realized he fucked up because I know, like, the opening of this movie was wasn't just supposed to be the opening of the Battle of Coruscant, he wanted to show five different battles on five different planets in the opening. Which I don't even know what the fuck that means. Well, no, I think... But that's why you kind of... Yeah, but, like, how do you do that? Uh, You just... You have to do the... How does George Lucas do that? Okay, never mind, yeah. With George Lucas, no. But, like, the idea... That's why you have... It's kind of cool because it's into that Forever War thing that he's going for, you know? It's, like, it's everywhere. In the skate. Definitely, but... That's why you get those clips of, like, Felucia and, like, Kashyyyk and, uh... What's the... There's the one planet where, uh... Conehead guy... What's his name? Uh... Uh, I I don't know, but it's snowy and it's cool. Or it's all ash, right? What? 
I, I remember that planet because I thought it was snow, but I guess the backstory is that it's it's covered in ash. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Like, there's all these cool space concepts and planets. Well, and he stuff. had to, like all of those ideas were developed for the opening of the movie. They were intended to be the opening to show the war happening all over the place, and then you know that didn't happen. Like it, that's why those scenes are so detailed, even though they're on screen for about two minutes. Yeah, which does uh, and give if you it played, a cool effect. I, I would say. Well, also, it also helped flesh out Star Wars Battlefront Two. Oh yes, which, which I, is an excellent game. Which I played a ton of as a kid, and you get there's a whole story mode that is super great. And uh, the one planet where the Conehead guy dies on, whose name I can't remember. I like it's off. It's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember it. But he's actually stealing the kyber crystal that will be used to power the Death Star. Uh, that's Kid Adi Mundi. Kid Adi Mundi, yeah, that's what it was. I remember that because I had his Lego toy as a kid. <laughs> There's just this frustrating element to all of this. Oh, there definitely is because like all this stuff we're talking about sounds so cool, and it kind of is cool. You know, I think that's why I always appreciate the prequels, even if I don't think. They're that good at accomplishing what they set out to do. Mm -hmm. There's all these great visual elements and these cool planets that we're exploring. For the most part, you know, you go to stack of Tatooine in literally every single movie. Yeah. But then, you know, you're exploring stuff like a planet made entirely of drinkable water because it's always raining. A planet mm -hmm. covered in ash. It's like you're just getting glimpses of stuff. And I, I like space and science fiction. So it, it makes me happy even when... The story they're showing me is like you're getting glimpses of of better movies. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just, uh, and now I'm thinking, like, what if Episode Two had kind of been like a Saving Private Ryan, where like the Clone Wars are in full effect at the start of Episode Two, and Anakin and Obi Wan are going from like planet to planet trying to find someone or something, and like that's how we get to see like the scope of the war. Like we're going to like different battlefields the whole movie. And we just, as, it, as they go further down the river, much like Heart of Darkness, like you just see things getting worse and worse. So it's like Heart of Darkness or Apocalypse Now, which is based on Heart of Darkness. And you find Colonel Kurtz at the end of all this or some shit. I don't know. Colonel Kurtz and <laughs> Count Dooku? I guess that would have been interesting. Oh, fuck yeah. We're looking for Dooku. Like, oh, Dooku. It's like Terminate with extreme prejudice. You know, he's a Jedi, but he's gone rogue. And no one really knows why. And so the Jedi Order is basically sending in Obi-Wan and Anakin to go kill, like, maybe a guy they worked with really closely, and they don't really know what happened. And this mission breaks both of them. And they both end up hating each other and the Jedi Order. See? That hey. sounds awesome. See, my thing is, I still, I still think it should have gone with the Blade Runner route that they kind of hinted at. The very like the the noir, the mystery aspect side of it. That's what I was drawn to Attack of the Clones. But we're you were on totally on another planet, and I really like it. Yeah, I, I, I just complex mystery plots in these type of movies don't really work. Like you, you would have to change the entire vibe of the movie, which I'm not saying I'm not open to. But for the amount of stuff you have to get done, you don't want to throw in a needlessly complicated mystery. You, want, you need a lot of things to be very straightforward because there's so much going on internally with characters. 
that you know yeah no gotta I mean, ch- you gotta change that shit you got a point I, I guess you'd have to you'd have to really establish the character stuff in the first one and then kind of sprinkle them into the mystery stuff somehow it, it mm-hmm. mysteries are fucking hard i'm not gonna say it's it's the right way or the the easier way by any means but i okay the direction that it took i would have preferferred that i think and then you pick up okay. the threads in the third one and close it off Okay, Count Dooku is, like, isolated on a planet, right? Mm-hmm. He's, like, taking his own army. He's gone rogue in the jungles of the Star Wars galaxy. He's found a way to destroy an entire sun. Not like, uh, not like Starkiller Base, but, like, he can make it explode so it can take out an entire system, right? Mm-hmm. And he manages to do this, like, right when Anakin and Obi-Wan arrive. And then he explains how, like, the corrupt the government is and how pointless this war is. The horror, the horror. They kill him. And then the Emperor goes, hey, these Jedi, they're... one of them went crazy and destroyed an entire system. So fuck these Jedi. And we need to, this war, we got to bring it more under a centralized control so we have to become an empire now. Or else we're not going to win this war. Oh, fuck. And that's, how, and that's how you end the movie. Oh, shit. So. Uh... Oh, it's fucking good. Put God me damn. in the game, Hollywood. Fuck, give Matt a Star Wars story. Oh God, I would, I would love it, but I'd probably fuck it up. <laughs> but I have to admit, since since the hype started for Episode Five, all I've been thinking about is like possible Star Wars movies. <laughs> and it's basically I... me just going through movies I love and being like, "What if that, but Star Wars?" <laughs> <laughs> Same thing for me. Like, like my thing. Is uh, I've always wanted a seven samurai type Star Wars movie. There's an episode in, in the Clone Wars that that kind of is that, but they they it, try to do it, that. It yeah, it's not. I was disappointed by that episode because I had it really hyped up for me, but whatever. Um, now you could yeah, totally I, I, do a a great magnificent seven seven samurai type Star Wars story, but that would have to be like that would be a great starting point for like a trilogy. Fuck yeah! Oh my god! Okay. So I, I'm just going to go off. This isn't even my prequel thing. But, okay, okay so you, here's what you do. The first one is Magnificent Seven, right? Young mm-hmm. Jedi, uh, optimistic. Like, hey, we got to help this this system over here. And the Jedi Order is like, oh, well, that's kind of out of our jurisdiction, whatever. Yeah, you can go help if you want. And so they have to go to, like, like uh, the underbelly of Coruscant and be like, hey, anybody want to help save a planet? I don't have any money, but I got this kyber crystal thing, whatever, right? And then they start recruiting some people, and then along the way, they can have well, some hold up, hold up. whatever, right? Hold up, I don't want to derail your story real quick, but the no. first, remember, the first guy they meet in um, Seven Samurai is kind of like the old wizened samurai, mm-hmm. who, like, first is kind of laughing them off because they, they're peasants and they don't have money, but then he's like, I'll help you because, you know, it's the right thing to do. Yeah, well, that would clearly be the mentor. And, that would be the, the, the master who trained this Jedi. Well, no, no, you, you don't, don't do the master. The master has to disagree with the Padawan. The Padawan is kind of like on his, he's, he's doing this, ro- he's gone rogue with his mission, right? But he mm-hmm. finds another Jedi who has left the order and has become a drunk. Like he's, he's a disgraced Jedi, so he's like half a Jedi. But he sees that this kid wants to do the right thing, which he believes the Jedi order has, hasn't done in a long time. So he's like, I'll help you, kid. And he, st- and he starts helping the recruit because he's, he's been out of the game so long, but he understands the streets now. So he can help this like, young kid who doesn't really know shit you know, navigate the, 
underworld of Coruscant. Okay, so fuck you. Um, you're clearly going right. to write this new trilogy. No, no, no. In a good, in like, uh, I hate you because I've been trying to force an old. I've been trying to force an old drunk in Star Wars <laughs> for as long as possible. It's one of the things I really want. Like I was watching True Grit, and you, know, you got Rooster Cogburn in that. And I was just thinking, man, he would be great in a Star Wars movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, just drunk, but then, like, when the shit goes down, he's there. Like, it would have been amazing. I don't want to... Uh, Thor Ragnarok will be out by this time, but you're going to be very happy with that movie, and that's all I'll say. Okay. Oh, is a drunk in it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes! <laughs> oh, I, I, love, I love me some old drunks. <laughs> like I was there, I fought on Felicia's album. <laughs> oh, this will take place like a thousand years before the prequels, though. I, I want it to be like its own thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, it, ha it would have to be. Yeah. No, no stormtroopers, no droids of that that mm. we're familiar with. It'll be all new stuff. Mm. Then I also had this idea for like a planet that like. It revolves around the sun, but when it, when it's nighttime, everything freezes. So when the sun comes up in like however many hours or days, then you know it gets really hot and becomes a desert again. Mm. And so there's that like element in the final battle as well. That's pretty cool. Thank you, thank you. What Everyone's is the element? That, but what what are the peasants trying to protect? That's where I always fall apart when I try and come up with my magnificent seven seven samurai ripoff. It's probably like a kyber crystal mine or something. something. It's always the kyber crystal. <laughs> well, then too fucking bad. It's an easy solution to a No, I get it. Problem. I get it. But, like, I was thinking, like, there was something... What, what were they doing in the Magnificent Seven remake? I barely remember that movie. Like, I, I remember it was something where, like, the townspeople easily could have just left. Yeah. Like, it was one of those things where it's like, well, that's not that big a deal. And... It bugged the shit out of me, but and that's why all my Magnificent Seven stories fall apart because I don't under I can't think of something that makes enough sense to keep the peasants there. Well, no, my thing would be that like there's this uh, intergalactic warlord right who's like just broken out of prison, reassembled his gang, and then uh, they take a brute there and they force the community to work as slaves. Mm. And so someone leaves to go get help from the they escape and they go get help from the Jedi Council. You know, you're actually reminding me, I actually had one. Now we're just trading stories. Um, it was like this, this, the village was like of strategic importance for two warring armies. So like two armies are going to kind of like fight over it. And all these peasants know that they're going to get killed in the crossfire. So that's why they go seek help. Because they need like a buffer of their own just for protection. So I always kind of like that idea of like you know the like the area that is strategically important, and I'm basically like the Middle East, and that like all the civilians are the ones that get fucked as like major powers fight over it. Fuck! I want to do a whole episode just on fanfic now on our fanfic. Maybe we could we could work that in. I guess I don't oh my know. God. I want I want to legitimately take time on that, so I'm going to stop talking because I have a whole thing. Okay, yeah. How about we save our like different takes on the prequels for that then? Okay, yeah. Let's just do that after. This was, uh, th folks. This was a preview for an episode we just came <laughs> up with. <laughs> <laughs>
where we're literally just going to pitch our own Star Wars movies. <laughs> okay. But that's the thing. But also, but let's bring it back, which is, this is an example of why there is something of value in the prequels. Because we're basically, you know, like, putting, taking the pieces of it and coming up with our own stories. And there, some of the pieces we have, we wouldn't have without these prequels. So I think there's value to it because you can look at it. Yet you have to always, at some point, you have to come to terms with what the prequels are, and you have to accept that they exist. But then you can still always have flights of fancy about well, what could have been, or like like write what could have been happening behind the scenes, or something like that. Yeah, and you know what? A lot of people out there do like them, and a lot of people, uh, up-and-coming creators, like using this point of reference, Ryan Johnson, yeah. he, he, I don't know how big a fan he is of them, but we've mentioned before that he, he does play devil's advocate for them. If you're going to play in the Star Wars universe, I'm not saying you have to like the prequels, but you have to, ex like I'm saying, you have to accept them. And you have to understand that people like them and why they like them. And not like a cynical, like, oh, people are stupid and they like visuals, which is what I, I don't believe. I don't think people are like, I don't think people like the prequels because they're idiots. They just, they're looking for something in the movie that I wasn't looking for. And that's fine. It's just, you know, for someone like me, I felt I didn't get what I wanted out of them. But I'm glad someone else did. And, you know... It seems like it's real 50-50 on the internet, it seems. Like, there, there seems to be a real 50-50 split down the middle of prequel defenders and prequel, like, skeptics, I would say. I don't want to say prequel lovers and prequel haters, because I think more people live in that middle area than on the fringes. The fringes just yell more. Yeah. <laughs> Even, I don't see too many people out there who are like, like, they love the prequels without question. And then I don't see too many people out there who just absolutely hate the prequels. Even I, like, well, I will play up my dislike of them, but I, at the end of the day, I do think they're, they're okay. Except episode two, which I found nothing to enjoy this time around. But maybe it'll grow on me. Yeah, I always find a little more to appreciate with them. I never really fully can embrace them, just... Like you said, how, how I look at movies and what I'm looking for isn't mm -hmm. really here the way, the way I'd want it. But it doesn't mean they're, well, this they're was, the worst things ever, though. This was the time I really wanted to... This was the first time I ever watched them and felt like I could maybe edit them into a good movie. <laughs> like, you know, classic fan edits. Like, I thought of just doing it and cutting out as much dialogue as possible. And just kind of doing like really like atmospheric scenes of just people like looking out windows and stuff like that. Oh my god, make this the Blade Runner. Blade Runner, uh, I don't know what years Star Wars go by. Something, what is it, BBY? <laughs> is it? I don't know, I've never seen that. Uh, well, it's always, the, the dating in Star Wars was always kind of ridiculous. It's before Battle of Yavin and after Battle of Yavin. Oh, that's kind of... Um, well, yeah, but I think it originally just started as, like, a fan dating. And then at some point it became actual canon dating, which I don't, I don't totally get. But It's kind of neat, but, like, yeah, that is only for the fan community. I get, like, that. it helps if you're a fan figure out where everything is. 
But if you live in that universe, it would be ridiculous. Like, oh, we're yeah. starting the calendar over now <laughs> because be like of the starting, Death Star? That'd be like us starting the year naming after uh, World War II. Yeah. Yeah, we, we're living in a... Uh, how many fucking years has it been for World War II? I don't fuck it. I'm not doing the math. Like 80-something, <laughs> whatever. Fuck oh, it. Fuck. I don't know math. I'm sorry. Fuck years. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and I will say, okay, my mom's not the biggest Star Wars fan, but she really mm. likes Episode 1, Episode 7, Rogue One, and Revenge of the Sith. Huh. Yeah. She's not, not crazy about any of them, but those are the ones she's, she likes a lot. And it's because, specifically, of the Emperor being a really fun villain and Ewan McGregor being a fantastic actor. She really likes the scene where uh, Anakin's burning to death, basically, <laughs> and Obi-Wan's, you know, just, like, crying out in pain. Like, this was, this was his, his brother. This was his, his best friend, you know? All and, right, uh, let me ask, though, is that, that a little... Is that a little over the top? Oh, absolutely. Like, but like unnecessarily so. I don't know if it's unnecessarily so. I think like I don't want to be a prude. And, I'm, and, I, and I just start. I started talking about how I wish this movie started with him systematically hunting down Jedi. <laughs> but like, there's something about that scene where I'm like, this is the violence in it is a little much. Uh, I would say the back half of the entire fight is over the top, and mm-hmm. then the ending of it is so over the top that it, it just can't not work for me. I guess. It just feels like... It, uh, that and, like, the killing of the children... Oh, the killing of the children is... is that's, that's heavy. That, that's too much. That is straight up too I get, much. I guess that you have to have something like that, because the re- we forget in the redemption of Darth Vader that Darth Vader was, like, the ultimate villain. Like, Darth Vader really it was, like, a horrible person. Yeah. I mean, he, he, was part of, he was part of the destruction of Alderaan, so that's like billions of people dead. Okay, yeah, maybe, maybe you need something like that, but I, I don't know if that version is necessary, where the kid is like, help us, and then he turns on his lightsaber and you cut away. Mm-hmm. I will say that's a, <laughs> it's too much, but if you're going to go for it, fuck it, that's a good way of going for it. it, it it's a heavy image. Yeah. And also, I just don't like, I, I don't know where I totally fall on this, because maybe it could work, but I don't like the idea that, like, the moment you just go, all right, I'm going to fall to the dark side, <laughs> which is such a weird idea, that you just be like, yes, I, you're my master now, Emperor, but now, like, you're suddenly open to, like, every evil act on the planet. Like, I feel like it needs to be a little slippy, slipperier than that. You know, like, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. Because yeah. we go from him killing Mace Windu because the Emperor has this vague promise that he can help help, help uh, Padme. And then Palpatine reveals immediately after that he doesn't actually know, but that they can figure it out if they work together. <laughs> and then he goes, all right, you kill all the Jedi... Now, you go kill all the Jedi in the temple. I'm going to announce my orders to kill the Jedi everywhere else. And then I'm going to send you to Mustafar where the Separatists are. Because I've known where they are the whole time. Um, yeah, and he'll be like, hey, how'd you know that? Oh, uh, I mean, I get that Anakin would maybe put that together the moment he realized Palpatine was a Sith Lord. But 
it just it it seems to me like just the the way he goes because he's basically tricked into turning evil. That's what makes this all really fucked up. He's not like it's not his decision making that leads him to going evil. It's that he has impulse. He has like bad impulse control, <laughs> which is established in Attack of the Clones. And he's kind of a whiny brat in that movie. I mean, it basically portrays him as a bad egg from the start, except in Phantom Menace. Yeah, but, but it's we not don't really see you that he is. Yeah, yeah but we don't. Is. We just like he suddenly is one by the time we get to Attack of the Clones. And it would have been more interesting to see him go from kid who like, hey, I want to be a Jedi to rat Jedi. Like you could have done that well, but we don't see any of that. Um, and then, like I said, he just the moment he's he's tricked into siding with the Emperor. And then he just sticks with them by the, at the end. Like Pat, once Padme dies, he's like, "All right, I guess I'll just do this from now on." <laughs> like his motivations are very. Once Padme's dead, like it, it, it's understandable that he would like s- sacrifice his friends for someone he loved or something like that. That love angle is, it's an understandable reason for him to fall to the dark side. It's a little creepy, but it's understandable. But it he's not like it's not like how in like you know in like Harry Potter, like there's those horcruxes or whatever. Yeah. Which will keep you alive if you make them. But you have to kill someone to make one. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. There's never a moment like that for Anakin where he has to kill someone to save someone else that's and in that moment for what he thinks is doing the right thing, he loses a bit of his humanity. And at some point, it like becomes a point of no return. It's just this thing, it's just a switch that gets flipped. And five minutes later, he's killing children. That's where the, the problems really hit home. And on the flip side of that, Padme gets the short shrift this time. Never. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like everyone else is never really a fully fleshed out character. But I think she mm-hmm. had the potential to be a great character. And, I mean, she's, she's a total badass. She's, she's run a planet, she's a member of the Senate, and she's out there kicking ass alongside clones and attacking the clones. And this one, she's just pregnant and cries. And it's really disappointing. Because the original mm-hmm. plan was for her to start the rebellion. Yeah, there was that whole, there's all these deleted scenes with her doing that, where you meet young Mon Mothma. Yeah, um, oh, and which is Smith. pretty cool, Jimmy and, and Jimmy Smith gets his his moments, um, and he gets his big moment in this when he he arrives at the temple on fire. I wish I wish he had been a bigger character. There's one other thing I will bring up in my fanfic rewrite is that Bail Organa was a bigger character. Yeah, because he he's a good he's an interesting character. Just that little bit, because Jimmy Smith is that good of an actor too. Yeah, but um, also that moment when he shows up at the temple is like. You really start to get the scale of things because, yeah, there are these big players in the galaxy in the the battle between good and evil. But even someone like like Bail Organa, who's a member of the Senate still, um, you're starting to get perspective. Like, oh yeah, people are going to wonder what's happening, and you know, it's to to bring a little more social awareness to it. Like, I mean, how often you see like like uh, a person of color get shot by a police officer, and it's like, oh well. Yeah, sorry, you can't. No recording this, you know. Like, yeah. you can't. You can't be here for this. Sorry, sorry, dude. And it's um, you know, that that scary implications for a police state. 
You know, it's basically what, what's happening there. They're just, they're, they're executing, uh, I mean, the Jedi aren't specifically minorities, but if we're, you know, going to frame well, it's it. A religi- it's a religious group being persecuted. Yeah. Which, uh, there's a lot of history of that. <laughs> Is there? I'm, both, not, I'm not too aware both of that. past and current. No Muslim ban ever. Motherfuckers. <laughs> Cowardly shit kicker. Um, anyway, back to Jimmy Smith's. Um, <laughs> but just to understand like how he should have been a major character in this, but it wasn't. When I was a kid, I didn't realize he was Bail Organa until he announced that he was adopting Princess Leia. <laughs> like I did not pick up on that as a kid. I don't know what it was. I don't think anyone really says his name too often. And he's just, but he's only in like two scenes in Attack of the Clones. And then he's in like three scenes in Revenge of the Sith. So, and then like two know. more scenes in Rogue One. Yeah, he's got a bigger part in Rogue One, in which he's he essentially dies off camera if you look oh. at it from a certain angle. <laughs> yeah, R.I.P. Jimmy Smits. R.I.P. Jimmy Smits. Loved you in the Tommy Knocker. <laughs> <laughs> Deep cut Smits. Um, <laughs> but uh. Give Jimmy Smith's his own Star Wars movie. I'm sorry. I, I love Jimmy Smith's for some reason. No, he's great. He's uh, great. Bring him back. Basil, Darth Vader. As Basil Oregano. Uh, I'm, I'm getting slap happy now. <laughs> All these movies. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Um, but it's, but it's, I'm going back to the whole Rebel subplot that was deleted. Yes. Um, which is part of Lucas. I mean, Lucas, honestly, it's a smart decision to streamline this film. Honestly, it's one of the smarter decisions he ever made to focus it in on Anakin. Cause at least, so at least we know what the fuck is going on in this movie. Another thing that was cut that was clearly set up by the last movie is that Kid Boba Fett was going to come back. And he was going to be the one to kill Mace Windu. Honestly, that, this was the time when he finally took people's advice. <laughs> and the main thing they said was, you got to make it about Anakin. And because that's really the failings of the other two movies is that they don't focus really on anyone. Like they like it, it, Attack of the Clones wants to be about both Obi-Wan and Anakin, but doesn't really give them much to Anakin gets more to do emotionally. But then Obi-Wan's carrying the entire plot and it makes this weird disconnect. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, mm-hmm. one thing I got to point out is that. Uh, the idea that the love between uh, Anakin and Padme is forbidden, that was really shoehorned into the last movie. Um, it's entirely irrelevant in this one. It, you didn't need that. In fact, the movie probably would have been better if the Jedi Order knew Anakin had married Padme. I, maybe. All right, no, no, uh, yeah, all right. So Anakin starts having visions that Padme's going to die, right? Mm-hmm. And in this, in the script, she was supposed to appear like in flames, like it was going to be like a real nightmare scene. Um, but Lucas changed that for whatever reason, probably because it would be too hard to film. But so, so he's married. Let's say he's married to Anakin. I mean, he's married to Padme. Everyone knows this, right? So Anakin starts having these visions, goes to Master Yoda, and they start like kind of talking, and maybe they share the vision in some sort of Jedi way, and. Yoda does basically what he told Luke, which is that, like, hey, you have to accept that people die. 
It's one of the hardest things for a Jedi to do, but you have to accept it. And that makes him, would make him angrier with the Jedi Order. Being like, hey, if, we're, if you're so powerful, Yoda, why don't you fix this? And Yoda's like, look, it's, it's, it's not right to play life and death this way. It's like, you're gonna, it's a bad idea. You have to accept that sometimes people die. Oh, okay. And then after losing up- his mother informs him even more because he doesn't want to go through that again. Okay. Yeah, basically. And, and which is something, I mean, he, that would make a little more sense because I get that he probably couldn't talk to anyone about that because then he massacred uh, Tuscan Village. Yeah. And people were like, hey, there's all these, there was a whole massacre on Tatooine and it looked like a lightsaber was used. And Anakin's like, oh, that fuck Dooku. I don't know what he's up to. <laughs> <laughs> that leads to Anakin basically confiding in the Emperor, which is, you know, the Emperor implies that at the beginning. Um, that doesn't imply, he basically says, hey, you told me about that time with the Sand People, and we've probably had some conversations about it, which leads to Anakin being closer with the Emperor than the Order. Also, there was going to be a plot, I, I think they actually shot this, but then deleted it. Um, but one of the things that drove Anakin was his suspicion that Padme was uh, having an affair with Obi-Wan, which is a terrible idea. Yeah. I, I believe that was actually shot, and then Lucas showed a rough cut to, I think, Spielberg and some other people, and they all said, no, don't do that. Because <laughs> I, I know that a lot of the stuff with the Emperor when Anakin turns, I know a lot of that was reshoots. They're not, it doesn't totally work, but it's better than the original idea. And Lucas had, has basically invented a type of filmmaking that makes doing reshoots very easy. I told you about the blending of the scenes that happens during the Opera House scene. Right? Yeah, I forgot to look for it, though, because I get really oh, okay. into that scene, too. Again, another, well, another highlight from the movie for me. I think that's a good scene. It's a good scene, but once you notice Anakin's face change in a weird way, it's, it's hard not to notice. <laughs> but, uh, that, yeah, that's one of the better scenes in the movie. Uh, the Legend of Darth Plagueis. He got his own novel where they basically explain how him and uh, Emperor Palpatine created Anakin. Which actually was going to be an element that was going to get brought up in this movie. And Emperor Palpatine was literally going to say something along the lines of, in a way, Anakin, I am your father. It's like poetry. It rhymes. Yeah, it's all that. Non- that's like Lucas nonsense to the extreme. I don't know if that was actually filmed, but I know it was in the shooting script. Okay, so let's, let's wrap up on Revenge of the Sith. I mean, there's not, how much more is there left to say anyways? Well, we barely talked about General Grievous. <laughs> Because <laughs> he's not a character. Um, he had the scariest ever introduction in a kid's cartoon ever in the original Clone Wars cartoon where I think he kills like five Jedi. He kills five Jedi. You think he kills Mace Windu because at the time of release, I hadn't seen anything for Revenge of the Sith. And mm. I, I thought, like, it, the implication is that he either seriously maims Mace Windu or he could have just killed him like everyone else, because everyone in that scene besides Mace Windu is dead. Was Mace Windu in that scene? I think someone we knew was in that scene. I remember. I thought Kit Adimundi was in that scene. Okay, then maybe that's the implication. I remember a Jedi we, we were familiar with in the movies was in that scene, and everyone else dies. And he yeah. gets wrecked, too. It wasn't, wasn't good. He lived, but and that was how they ended the first season. Uh-huh. That was such a weird thing. That was a, we'll get into it more, but it's like... For those who don't know, the original Clone Wars series were just, like, five-minute episodes. Like, they weren't full-length episodes. And they released them, like, once a week on Cartoon Network. 
And then that one, but then when we meet Grievous, it was like the first one that was like a full, like, 15-minute episode. It was like a long one. Yeah. And then after that, it became more of a full series. Yeah, I don't know what uh, what the <clears> idea <throat> was behind that, but that that was uh, Gendy Tartakovsky. Uh, Samurai Jack, motherfuckers. Samurai Jack, fuck yeah. Which, I mean, we basically... The only cool thing we really got from that, though, is that... And not only cool thing, but one of the cool things we got is that Lucas must have been a fan of Samurai Jack. Yeah. Because uh, I know Lucas is a fan of animation, so he probably saw that and said, get that guy. <laughs> and then years later, he decided, I'm going to make a cartoon on my own. And it won't look nearly as good, but whatever, I'll get good writers. Yeah, that's basically what, what happened. Um, and as much as I love the, that Clone Wars series, uh, it's not Gendy Tartakovsky's animation, which is a huge yeah. negative for me, because that guy... If, if you mixed both, you would have had a perfect series. Yeah. If you could have found it a way to blend them. Yeah, that's that, that, that'd be some top-tier shit. Um, could you just anyway, imagine? That's, an, that's another thing. I'm just on the rewrite thing. Imagine just like a Star Wars episode movie in the style of Samurai Jack. I'm not saying like the animation. I'm talking about just how that show has so many episodes where there's like no dialogue and we just watch Jack like just do things. Um, I'm, like, that would have been amazing. It immediately goes back to the Three Blind Bandits episode. Which yeah, is, that's like, exactly where my mind's going. Yeah. That's, that's exactly where I went. Yeah. Uh, good shit. And a whole, and that's a whole episode about sound, which makes it even better. So, fuck, what a good show! God damn. Yeah, and again, like fucking, if Lucas really wanted to do something with his, you know, green screen movie, he probably could have made something like that if he tried, but he didn't do that. No, no, he did not. He just he didn't know how to blend those the two types of storytelling that were going on in these movies. That's really the ultimate flaw is that. There's a huge disconnect between the action and the drama. And because of that, it kind of just makes these movies, like, just frustrating and forgettable. I wouldn't say forgettable, actually. Not just because it's Star Wars, but because I think there, there is material here that, that could be built off into something great. And maybe yeah, it has but... greatness itself. Well, that's why I said frustrated, frustrating and forgettable, because the stuff you remember is usually kind of frustrating. <laughs> but, okay. But, like, there are, like, huge things. And, like, I think about, like, like I said, there's the grievous chase scene in this movie, right? Like, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And when, I, when you think about it, I'm sure you're thinking of specific moments that happen during it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, try and put it in order in your brain. You, you, I'm assuming you can't do it. Not for the chase scene specifically, but... But now now think of the Death Star battle. I think of all the little moments in that battle in the first movie, right? Uh-huh. And now put that in order. Okay. You could probably do that. Yeah. Because that's good easier. storytelling. Oh. And there's nothing... There I can't think of a single action scene that's like that in the prequels. I'm really trying to think hard. I, I remember individual moments from those scenes, but I can't like group it together in a way where I'm like, all right, then this escalates, and then that escalates, and then this leads to that. Nothing flows that way. Nothing does. It's literally just this happens, then this happens, then this happens, then this happens. 
And that's a terrible way to tell a story. That's the ultimate sin of the prequels. It's not, it's not getting the characters wrong. It's not changing the story. It's not Metachlorians. It's not Jar Jar. It's that nothing flows. It's that nothing, it doesn't operate like a movie should. <laughs> it doesn't even operate like an experimental movie should. I mean, which the experimental <laughs> movies don't have rules. Fucking Andy Warhol's Empire makes more sense. And that's a five, it's just a five hour shot of the Empire State Building. But you get what he's going for in that. And you get nothing here. Not nothing, or I'm fair, not nothing, but you just can't, you, none of the pieces you can put together. That's why there's all these fan, that's why I think people who like building things probably like these movies better because you can build something out of all of this. And every piece is kind of important, but if you're someone who kind of likes the journey, I think, if you like how things kind of go from one step to another and you realize, like, you went go from, at the start, you realize you started, you know, on a farm on some distant planet, and by the end, you're, you know, fighting for the fate of the galaxy. You don't get that vibe anywhere in these movies. In a story where the entire galaxy goes from republic to empire, in a story where our, our hero goes from being a kid who had a tough upbringing to the, like, space Hitler, like, and he's also space Jesus mixed with space Hitler. And you don't feel that. You don't get, like, the last temptation of Christ story in this. The pieces are all there, but it doesn't connect. And it's just, it, it makes me so upset because it could have been, they could have been not just as good, but even better than the original films. And instead, we're just left with kind of this thing that we have to accept what it is as a Star Wars films. And there's stuff to take away that it changed how these stories are told and how the universe works. And it gave us great stuff like the Clone Wars cartoon. But none of, none of that other stuff makes these movies better. Well, well said. I mean, that's... So, yeah. I think that's a good note for me to end everything on. Yeah. Uh, to your point about um, the, the flow of the storytelling in the prequel trilogy, and then this happened, and then this happened. And then this happens. Uh, I think it's film critic Hulk, who I'm, I'm mixed on, but uh, has, has written some stuff I'm a fan of. And the South Park guys are both aligned in this storytelling technique mm -hmm. where they replace uh, ands and buts in storytelling with therefores. Mm -hmm. Like, I go to the store, and therefore I buy a carton of milk. It's too bad that South Park really is like a kind of polarizing show, especially now. Um, probably a, a net negative as opposed to a net positive of a of an existing property because honestly they're they are fairly good at telling a story yeah um, you could learn a lot about writing from the south park show but you gotta it might not be worth it these days <laughs> but I, haven't, I, would, I haven't watched south park in like five years so i don't even know I've tried to, to go into the more modern South Park stuff and just, oh my God, I'm so not a fan anymore. But I will say they're, again, great writing when it works. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you could learn a lot from that because they follow that, that rule of storytelling, you know? Maybe it doesn't always work, but everything has a cause and effect. And that, I mean, really, that's, that's storytelling. There have to be like themes and like 
a richness to characters and the world and all that. But in terms of simplistic storytelling, everything has a cause and effect. And yeah. in the prequels, in the, in, if you look at it, like the broad picture of things, there might be some cause in the first and second episode that have effects in the second and third episode, but it doesn't feel natural. It, it's not, um, it's a bunch of ideas placed around a big map that mm. don't pan out and they, they don't really connect as well as they should. It's ands and buts, not therefores. Yeah. The best thing you could say about these movies is that they're a bunch of little vignettes that are kind of connected. And you can see resembling and connected I, stories and themes in each little story, but none of, but like, it almost feels like there should be a title card like every 10 minutes. There'd be like, like Anakin's day on Coruscant or some shit. Like, <laughs> and just they go like, all right, here's a story and this story ends. But even scenes don't have great flow in this. I mean, some scenes are all right, but some are just like, you know, we just, they're just there because they needed it. But like a great movie can blend like everything into one moment. Like, a, like the story, the themes, the character development, make it all work at once, which is what the Star Wars films are so great at and why you, you should study them if you want to learn like just really solid storytelling. And even and again, I, you should probably study these just to see how to do it all wrong. I mean, it's we're, we got another hero's journey, and maybe George Lucas is like this brilliant genius where there's a metatextual like I deliberately made these movies bad because it's about a hero's journey going bad. <laughs> but I think that's definitely stretching it. I, I'm sure someone has argued it out there. Like, I, I always get, like, the people who are like, you don't get it, the dialogue is supposed to be bad. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it doesn't change that it's bad. Like, that doesn't suddenly make it okay. <laughs> well, Matt, final thoughts on Revenge of the Sith and the prequel trilogy. I mean, I, like, I think everyone should watch these at least once. I think you need to, I think everyone needs to, if you're going to watch Star Wars, you need to at least know they exist and come to terms with what they are. Not sure I'd show them to kids, uh, especially Revenge of the Sith, which retroactively, because of the cartoon show, makes it the darkest film in movie history. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like a climactic episode of a children's cartoon show where all the characters die or turn evil. Um, but... There, I, as much as I'm criticizing them, I think they're worth examining even f just for the ways you can break it down. And you could probably break it down much in the same way I have and come out going, but I still like it. And that's fine. I think we just need to cut. I think we really, the fans need to stop talking about whether or not these movies are good or, or bad. And we just need to start talking about what they are, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like we just have to talk about what's happening in them. Because we're past, it doesn't matter now, the lines are drawn, no one's changing their minds. There's new kids, sure, and some are going to love them and some are going to hate them, and it's going to be just as divided. I know some people try and say kids love them more than adults, but kids love everything. And people change their minds as they get older, and I bet you once kids reach a certain age, some of them stick with the prequels and some of them leave it. So... It's going to be interesting, um, but worth, they're worth talking about.
Yeah, like I'm glad we did this because I've come to terms that I appreciate them more than I like them. But the stuff I like, specifically in Revenge of the Sith, more than most, uh, I really like still. Like, mm-hmm. I, I would say I'm a fan of Revenge of the Sith, even if it frustrates me endlessly. It's, uh, it's a mixed bag, obviously, but mm-hmm. I'm glad they're here. There I'm not sure go. if I'm glad they're here, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm fine with them being here. Now that they're not the end, I'm definitely fine. If Ray hadn't come along and been a great character, I wouldn't be. I would be on here being a lot harsher to these movies. I, it's a f- it's a fun movie to talk about. So I can't wait to get there, and I can't wait for uh, Last Jedi. Yeah, we're close. We're we're really and close. I, and I'm a little upset. I'm a little upset that Lucasfilm decided to cancel that Han Solo movie. But you know. Better they do that than maybe release something that's just really embarrassing. Yeah, so crazy how that's not going to be released in theaters after all. Yeah, I mean, they shot a lot of it, but at some point you just got to go, it's not working, you know. Let's just bite the bullet. We, we can afford this because we're Star Wars. And just, you know, maybe direct, maybe release it to like fan communities or something, but just in the state it's at, just don't do it. It was a mistake from the start. You can follow me at EmperorOTN on Twitter.com. You can follow me on Twitter at D-E-W-G-O Waffles. Uh, uh, Waffle Press, <laughs> like, subscribe if you didn't like. Like and subscribe anyways, because you might find something you do like. Check out links to the Patreon. We do commentaries. We're uploading retrospectives. We're doing monthly, bi-monthly episodes. Move your views. Yada, yada. Links down below in the doobity-doo. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We've been professionally and since, unprofessional. And since this is going to be released in the future, if you didn't go see Blade Runner in the theaters, you can fuck off. Learn to know the dark side of the Force, and you will achieve a power greater than any Jedi. You're under arrest, Chancellor. Are you threatening me, Master Jedi? <laughs>